Okay, so yesterday I made a mistake. I said that malaria, the disease that you get from mosquitoes, I said that malaria was made up of two root words, mal meaning bad and area meaning area. So therefore, the word malaria literally means bad area. Okay? And I made a mistake. Area in this context or in every context maybe doesn't mean area, it means air. Okay, so malaria isn't bad area, it's bad air. So before there was a theory of germs and disease and all that jazz, places where the disease that we now know as malaria, where that was prevalent, people who weren't from that area knew that area as bad air because there was a lot of people dying and getting sick in it and they put it down to the air. Okay, now... In the blurb that accompanies all the podcasts, I mentioned at the very start, I said, you know, basically, warning, I made a bit of a mistake here. I said bad area instead of bad air, and I kind of covered myself a little. But why am I fucking waffling about something that I've already kind of covered? The reason being is because I've made other mistakes that that I'm either consciously aware of or not aware of at all in the past and will continue to make these mistakes. Now, if I was to be sitting down and studying a subject and informing you of said subject, there wouldn't be mistakes in it, okay? You'd do what you could to limit the amount of mistakes to the point whereby there wouldn't be any. And you'd pride yourself on only putting forward the facts as we know them, okay? That's not what I do here, though. What I do here is I hit record and I start talking to the best of my ability. And there's 101 different reasons for that. One of them is it clears my own head. When I discuss something, like let's say this episode is going to be primarily, or at least at the start, is going to be primarily about making mistakes and getting things wrong. Okay? So once I've recorded this and I've put it up there into the interworld, it's out of my head to a degree. I've, I've, I've processed it. I've had this niggling thought in my head about making mistakes and essentially telling people the wrong thing inadvertently. And I'm trying to make my peace with that so that I can move on. But once this is recorded and uploaded, I'll have done that. So there's a, there's a, a catharticness to it. I get a certain amount of, I get a certain amount of headspace. It's like, it's like organizing a messy room, basically. So in my, if you were to use my brain as, if you were to use an analogy, me that loves my analogy. So Okay, here we go. There's this thing called a mind palace or a memory bank, some people call it. We'll stick with the mind palace analogy. I may or may not have mentioned it before. But the idea of having a mind palace is that you'll try and store certain memories in certain rooms in a certain building that's in your brain. It's it's in your imagination. Okay, so you're going to have all your memories about sport in your sports room. So you walk down the corridor in your imaginary palace or big building or whatever you want to call it and you know that the third door on the right on the second floor is your sports room. And when you walk into that sports room, you have your medals from running on the wall and you have uh, your old football and your old hurl from when you were a kid and you've got, you've got all your sporting memories basically saved in this room that's in your imagination, in your mind palace. So the idea is when somebody then asks you out of the blue, what year was it that we won the championship with our local club back in the day? 
what you will do is you'll close your eyes, you'll walk down your imaginary corridor in your mind, you'll open the third door on your right into your sports room, you'll walk over to the wall where you've got all your medals and you'll see on the wall hanging up the, the championship medal and you'll be able to read on that championship medal the date that's on it. Okay, And it, it's basically a trick. Not everybody can do it. Arguably, very few people can do it, but it's a a memory trick that's been used for millennia, for centuries and millennia. Okay. So, in keeping with that analogy, apologies, the microphone fucked up me there. So, in keeping with that analogy, when I talk about something, it's as though I have a memory palace. I don't, by the way, but let's say just for the for the argument. I have a memory palace. It's not even a memory palace. I have a mind palace. And in my mind palace are different floors and different rooms. So, and again, I'm just thinking out loud here. This is the fucking beauty of these recordings. It's so fucking cool. So let's say on the ground floor, I have, uh, I don't know, spirituality. On the first floor, I have science. On the third floor, I have friendships. On the fourth floor, I have something else. There's me fucking heater. Jesus Christ. Hold on a sec. Now... Fuck, where's my microphone gone? There we go. Now, sorry, I'm just still getting used to this whole mobile podcast studio thing. And heaters coming on on thermostats isn't ideal. But anyway, back to the mind palace. So there's different stories, let's say, in, in, in my mind palace, for want of a better term. And on those different stories, there's loads of different rooms. So today I'm talking about fuck-ups, okay? So let's say there's a room in my mind palace. And all the mistakes that I have made, that I am making and that I'm going to make are all in this room. But to give the, the, the room a more of a literal sense, it's a messy room. There's shit everywhere. It's not well organised. So when I walk into that room, aka when I think about this subject, I can't fucking see straight or think straight because the room's a fucking mess. But do, making these recordings and processing these thoughts organises that room so that when I walk into that room after this recording has been made and uploaded I don't walk in and just see a load of shit everywhere I see boxes and wardrobes and the room is clean the room is organised so I can see oh there's the fuck ups I've made in relation to scientific topics there's the fuck ups I've made in relation to spiritual topics there's the fuck ups I've made in relation to the types of words that I've misused or pronounced incorrectly So the real beauty of these recordings for me is it gives me a chance to tidy up these quote-unquote rooms in my mind palace. Now again, I I don't think of it in in that literal sense. You'll never see me, you know, go into my mind palace and try and go down a corridor to retrieve a memory. I'm not saying I don't have that capability, maybe I do, but I've never tried it and I've no immediate want to try it. But getting back to the matter at hand... I've made a, I made a mistake there yesterday. I caught it. I rectified it to a certain degree by putting it in the blurb, which I know not everybody reads, but, you know, what can you do? I'm not recording the whole fucking thing. It wasn't that big of a mistake. It literally actually wasn't. If I didn't notice I made the mistake, you know, knowing that or thinking that malaria meant bad area instead of bad air, like the, the there's a mistake there, but the sentiment is still right. Okay, the sentiment is correct. So once once the overarching sentiment and the gist of what I'm talking about is on point and is all heading in the right direction and it's all congruent, 
I'm fucking happy out because you should never take something that somebody says anybody says as as the be all and end all of something okay there's always more to add there's always another interpretation now that doesn't mean that nobody knows anything and everything is up for interpretation that's that's not what I mean that's a, a real postmodern way of thinking and I, I'm not I'm not, not a fan of it there are certain things that we know to be true. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't continue to discuss them. So the one that just springs to mind is, is paedophilia. Okay, paedophilia is wrong. Having sex with children is wrong. We know this every which way. But I think that it should be debated almost endlessly. It should, it, every because everything should be. Now, paedophilia, I went with the worst imaginable thing that's up for discussion. Okay, I don't think every six months we should have a debate between, you know, someone who's pro-paedophilia and somebody who's been the victim of paedophilia. I don't think each group there should have equal time on the mic putting their argument forward. I don't think that at all, okay? That's balance gone awry. I do think that there's room for hypothetical debate amongst people. The idea being... A, one would hope that your argument against paedophilia got stronger every time that you did it, not weaker, and that you understood it that bit better. And by understanding it that bit better, you're going to be better able to ensure it happens less and less until it becomes such that it's so well defined and it's so well understood that there's little to no interest in it anymore. As a subject, not as a practice, obviously. But anyway... Getting back to making mistakes leads me on to where you get your information from. Okay, so I'm telling you first and foremost that I haven't fact-checked everything that I've ever said and I have no intention of fact-checking things that I will say in the future. Now, if I was to put together an hour special on a particular subject and I was to have it scripted and I was to take my time recording it and and all the rest of it and, and get help with it and really put a best foot forward then I'll fact-check everything to the last, okay? But up until that point, it's just going to come out of my mouth and that's basically going to be it. Now, you might think to yourself, but if you're not willing to fact-check what you're saying, what's the point in me fucking listening to you? Because I don't want to get misinformation. And you're going to. If you continue to listen to what I'm saying, there are things, there are mistakes that I'm going to make that I'm either not going to notice or I'm going to notice and go, oh, it's not worth doing another podcast explaining the little thing that I got wrong. Or maybe I'll never, maybe I'll never notice the mistake that I made or maybe I'll go to my grave wrongly thinking something is a certain way when it is in fact it's not, when, when in fact it's not, okay? Which opens up a wider conversation of where do we get our inf- information from? Who do we get our information from? And why do we get our information from? And further on from that, you could ask the person that's giving me this information, why are they giving me this information? Is it in this person's interest for me to think a certain way, whether it be true or false? What's the motivation behind the person that I'm listening to? What, 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 what's, their, what's their overarching narrative? What's their goal? What's their... What's the word? What's their, not purpose, what's their What's their agenda? That's one thing you should always ask if you're listening to somebody. What's this person's agenda? Now, I'd like to think that I've made my personal agenda as clear as I can for myself. I think I've, ma- I think I've made it as clear as I can for myself and I think I've tried to develop it as this whole off-the-lead thing progresses. And I think I've mentioned time and time again never to 
Never to pay too close attention to any one thing that I say and to just try and stick with the overarching narrative. Okay? Now, the difference between me doing that and somebody else that has a, a public profile or a public presence or is an influencer or is a news anchor or is part of an organization, especially if somebody's part of an organization. So you might like somebody. So let's say if me, for example, let's say you, li- you like listening to me and you like the whole off the lead thing and you think it's great, happy days. But then I get a job with CNN and I'm a news anchor. All of a sudden, I'm not what I used to be. I'm who I used to be. I'm still the same person. But the Frano McKeown that started the off the lead and did it up until this point wouldn't dream of taking a job with fucking CNN or any other fucking news organisation for that matter. Not for any amount of money. And I can say that's hand on heart. Now, that's a privileged position that I'm in that I can say that. I can put my hand on my heart and say that if RTE offered me a job as a news broadcaster in the morning for 150 grand a year or 250 grand a year, I wouldn't take it. Now, the privilege in that position is because I'm kind of, I was going to say wealthy enough, but that kind of leaves you with the impression that I'm rich. I'm not rich by rich people's standards, but I'm fucking mega rich, super rich, incredibly, inexplicably rich in comparison to somebody who's fuck all. Okay, in comparison to a genuine poor person, I'm fucking bawling. I'm fucking loaded. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm rich per se but I'm certainly fucking like I don't worry about bills I don't worry about you know where my meals are going to come from I don't worry about job security and I know how horrible all those worries are because I've had them okay I didn't grow up with the fucking privilege that I have now okay the privilege that I have now is hard fucking earned and that's I don't mean to say that anybody who's poor can you know have the privilege I have if they work hard enough It's not as simple as that, nor fucking near it. For a start, I didn't grow up with a lot of money, but I grew up with a lot of love. And that goes a very, very long way. Both of my parents told me from as young an age as I can remember that I could do anything. Okay? Now, that doesn't make it so. Saying doesn't make it so. But drilling that into a kid, like a, a kid that has nothing but love around them all its life and is constantly reminded that can they can do anything, that's an unstoppable adult. That's what that results in, okay? So you could be born just as relatively poor as I was born. And we weren't poor. I mean, we never missed a meal. But, you know, we weren't going on holidays. All our clothes were fucking hand-me-downs. You know, nothing was ever stolen from our house because there was nothing in it to fucking steal. Do you know what I mean? But again, I'm not crying poor out here and I'm starting to waffle a little. So I want to get back to what I was talking about. Making mistakes and where you get your information from. I was chatting to a guy there the other day. It was actually the plumber. He was back in the house. We still have heating issues in the house. But anyway, Brexit came up. I don't know why. That's what it was. He was waiting for a part. The pump had failed or the non-return valve had failed or some such plumbing stuff had happened and he needed to replace the part. The part usually either comes from England or via England. And because of Brexit, there's a bit of a delay. Hence, we were talking about Brexit. And I said something along the lines of, oh, geez, the fucking the Brits have shot themselves in the foot there a little bit, you know, jumping out of the EU market. Like, I mean, I, I personally think it's a, a bad move for, for Britain, especially everyday Brits, whatever about fucking elites who can now launder money without the fucking EU giving out about it. That's a different thing. But for everyday working class British people, I think it's a fucking catastrophe. But anyway, I said it just in passing to the plumber that, you know, 
they shot themselves in the foot a little. And he said, oh, I don't know. And I go, what do you mean? He said that uh, they could be better off. And I was like, well, what, why would they be better off? And I was like, well, now they're not trading with the EU. They can trade, you know, with America and South America and all over the world. And I said, yeah, but they could have traded with those countries anywhere. But there's nothing in EU legislation that says you can't trade with other countries outside of the EU. All the EU do is say these are the terms and conditions on being in our union. Whatever you do outside of our union is basically your own business. And he said, oh, I don't know. And we didn't get into the details of it. But then he went one step further and he said, I hope the Irish follow them. And I was like, whoa, I was like, what, what, what makes you say that? And he said, oh, well, I think we'd be in control of our own laws a little bit more instead of Brussels making all the rules. And he kind of caught me on the hop because I wasn't expecting him to say it and I certainly didn't have a ready rebuttal to what he had said. And I was like, oh, look, fuck, maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, I don't know. And the conversation moved on. But I've been thinking about it since. What laws does he think are imposed on us by the EU that he doesn't want or wouldn't... What, what are the laws that he would be glad he doesn't have to abide by if we left the European Union. I mean, he's a plumber, so presumably there's EU legislation that says that all plumbing work has to be grounded so that, you know, if an if electricity hits one pipe somewhere for whatever reason, it doesn't run through all your radiators and electrocute some fucking child who's taken something off the radiator that's been drying. Do you know that kind of way? Is, is that the type of legislation that he doesn't like? Is it, is it health and safety stuff? Is it, is it fishing quotas? Do the EU impose laws on us that say you can't overfish your own waters and decimate the fishing population to the point whereby you eradicate all the fish in a given area? Now, again, he's not here to defend himself and I don't want to fucking hammer home the point too much because I'm not that well versed on it myself. But the point being is the next time that I'm talking to him, I'm going to ask him, remember you were saying about the about Ireland not making their own laws? What laws is it that you think we're not making? Because I would have a suspicion that he either reads the sun or the star or the mirror or one of those other fucking rags, one of the tabloids, and he's been fed this notion that the EU do this and the EU do that and the EU is bad and the EU is fucking whatever else but without actually making any effort to inform their readership or their listenership as to how and why the EU operates the way it does. It's all cloak and daggers. It's all, oh, look at this. Here's here's more of the same from the EU. Another another law that they've imposed. And they, they, they pick, like let's say if the EU have made a thousand laws, they pick one of them that's a bit dodgy and hold that up as an example of how the whole thing is a load of bullshit and you needn't listen to any of it. No mention of the other 999 things that are very good about. Now again, I'm not trying to persuade any person one way or the other, but what I'm the over again the, the overarching narrative here, the sentiment here is where do you get your information? And in relation to the tabloids, I remember learning in school that the tabloid newspapers have a reading age of I think it's is it 8 years of age whereby something like The Independent or The Times, which I don't read either and wouldn't recommend that people read uh, people read full stop within reason. Anyway, another point. There's an adult reading age required to uh, read these newspapers. If, you don't, if you're not at an, at an adult reading standard, you're not going to understand the words that they use or how they use them. 
And alarm bells should be ringing there for people who only read tabloids. You're listening, you're reading stuff that is intentionally dumbed down. You're reading something that has no intention of helping you get better at understanding things. You're reading something that is its sole purpose is to deliver a narrative. Its sole purpose is to deliver the the sexiness and the bloodiness of current affairs. It's it's the low hanging fruit. It's the salacious headlines. It's the tits on page three. I think that's gone now. But what's the what's the motivation behind? The publication, whether it's maybe you're reading something online, maybe you're reading the liberal or the journal or one of these kind of online new age newspapers. Do they make any effort to increase your knowledge of politics? Do they make any effort to increase your knowledge of geography, economics, finance, anything or is it just, look at all these people coming across the border and look at this social welfare fraud and look at this black fella doing this bad thing and look at this fella coming into the country and doing whatever else. And it's, it's all generally to evoke an emotional response because when you evoke an emotional response, you essentially turn on a primitive part of your brain and turn off the more human part of the brain. You get people angry. You get like you get people turned on with sexy pictures. You get people turned off with not even turned off. You don't want to turn people off. You want to engage people. So you want to rile people up. You want to make people angry. You want to make people sad. You want to pluck on their heartstrings. And as bad as all of that indeed is, it's so much worse when you're not aware of it. When you don't see it. When you're so deep into it that you can't see the wood from the trees. And then, so if you've been listening or reading the tabloids for God knows how many years or maybe even decades and then you hear somebody like me talking about it in such ways, it's like, fuck you, man. Because it's, it's pretty insulting to be told where you've been getting your information from for decades isn't worth wiping my arse with. Like, that's going to be a hard pill to swallow. But as far as I'm concerned, it's the fucking truth. I heard a really good analogy actually about being too close to something because I've spoken a good bit before about my not knowing a lot about any given subject but by knowing a little bit about a lot of things I have a somewhat of a bird's eye view or at least at least I like to fucking think I do I like to have a I'd like to think that I have an overarching view of a lot of different things which makes me see the the big picture as it's known but I have a great analogy here in relation to cancer and traffic jams, believe it or not. So most cancer research that takes place these days, again, broad sweeping generalisation, this is just my understanding of it. The vast majority of cancer research and medicine generally, it's all at the cellular level. Okay, cancer research, the, the, the cure for cancer will be found down a microscope. That's a good way of kind of phrasing it. Okay. Because that's at the level that we're studying it. But the analogy that I heard, I can't remember where I'm getting this from, but again, the the sentiment is all that matters. The analogy there in looking at the cell and trying to cure cancer, the analogy is looking at the workings of a car's engine, trying to understand the traffic jam in a city. Okay, you're too fucking close. 
You know, you might know all about fucking pistons and timing belts and crankshafts and exhausts and, you know, fucking fuel injectors and, and all that good stuff about the in, internal workings of the internal combustion engine. You might be very well knowledge. You might be very knowledgeable about the combustion engine, basically. But no matter how much you know about the workings of a car's engine, it's not going to give you the first even insight into what a traffic jam is. To understand a traffic jam, you need to zoom the fuck back out and look at the bigger picture. Holy shit, it's nearly 25 minutes. I'm in the van at the side of the house and the plan is to be here for the day. So hopefully that was the first of many today. Apologies for the mistake that I made the other day in relation to malaria. I'm sure I've made another hundred before. I'm sure I'm going to make more. But I suppose what I want to drum into you, and by you I mean me, what I want to drum into myself is there is massive utility in talking freely and being okay with the fact that you're going to make mistakes. Because if you're afraid of making mistakes, then you're afraid of progressing, you stagnate, you don't care, you lose interest, and the ball stops bas- stops rolling, basically. I want to give that ball a fucking kick, okay? I want to rev up that fucking ball. And if that makes, if that means making more mistakes so be it okay and I hope you come with me on the journey so that you can see me make my mistakes in real time maybe get in touch and correct me on a few of the mistakes you think that I've made or that I am making and I'll chat you soon